And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital, like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through. So tell me why you mad, even your team gonna be sad leaving after matching up with Brad Stevens. Each season, champion contenders, we drop twice a week. Trying to guard Kemba. <laughs> your team whack and your players whacker. I got the inside scoop after hanging up with Jay and Packard. Okay, we about chips here. I'm talking about this year. Banner 12 plus 6 here. Carson Edwards top rookie. I'm saying it now. Ain't playing around with Tatum and Hay with a brown. We off the charts, but you gotta play it market smart. Close out, cause he pulling up from Harvard Yard. Gang green, it's no other way. So tune in to the pod if you plan on staying up the day. You heard? Aziz, AJ, I, I see you, player. Come on. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Anything is Potable. You know it's a crazy night because I'm not normally the host. I'm normally just along for the ride with Sam Jam Packard. He's in New York City. Jason Tatum had 60 points, so we're doing an emergency podcast. I dragged in Chris Forsberg, the great from NBC Sports Boston. He's coming to us from his car somewhere on the way to the Worcester area. Forsberg, <laughs> what, what was your takeaway from that crazy fucking 32-point comeback? Uh, I, the comeback is the crazy part to me. And the other part is, like, I didn't even know Tatum was getting near 60. Like, it just happened so quietly to me. Yeah, he snuck up on 60. Right? Like, I'll put it this way. We were in the building when... I, IT went for 52 against Miami and had that crazy 48 points right now. Tatum just did it methodically. You know, what do you have? 14 in the first, didn't have a lot in the third. And then all of a sudden it was just like, yeah, I'm taking this game over in the fourth. And uh, I mean, it's still crazy to watch, but you know, what I love is that everybody else got involved in it too. So, you know, Jalen Brown hits that corner three. Aaron Neesmith is jumping over people for rebounds. Uh, Time Lord's winning jump balls. You know, on nights like this, when guys go for 60, it sometimes feels like they just dominate the game. And, and Tatum was frigging amazing. But, like, they, they needed everybody to, to come back from that 32-point deficit. Yeah, and, to, I mean, to me, I'll start with Tatum 60 because that's the obvious place to start. The motherfucker tied Larry Bird's franchise <laughs> scoring record for a single game. Um, it just felt like he was hell-bent on getting to the rim. And, and he was, like, very set on getting to the rim, even when San Antonio made it tough for him. If you look at his shot chart, it was, like, basically either at the rim – or a three 
And and that's how the Celtics want him to play. They want him to get downhill. They want him to play strong. Like he had some grown man moves in overtime. He had like like he he just kind of bullied some of the Spurs defenders, got to his spots, drew fouls. He he should have he really should have had a chance I think to surpass Larry Bird's record because Ooh. that was an and one right right at the end. It was it was and it was like I don't know all of us who grew up watching Larry Bird were kind of like conflicted. I was like I kind of want him to tie the record. I don't know if I want him to break it. If, as selfish as that sounds. Yeah, right. Right, like like Larry Bird deserves that one. Just just let him have it, man. Like maybe one day Tatum will deserve it too. But but for now, Bird, Bird should Bird should keep that one. Um, and it was the the thing about it too was it was it just everything about that game kind of snuck up on you because the Celtics they were just getting smoked. They were down twenty points almost instantly. Tatum had the first twelve, and like. It was almost a full quarter before anyone else on the Celtics scored. They were down, I think, like 37 to 14 by the time Tristan Thompson finally scored a dunk. It was, and he was like the only one there at the start. Jalen Brown went five for 24, although the the last three was a, an enormous one. Um, and then kind of the Celtics just went into halftime they had given up 70 plus percent shooting and just kind of came out and started to clamp up. And before long they were within 20 and it was still like, yeah, they're not coming back. And then it was 10 and it was like, yeah, they still probably won't come back. Like nobody <laughs> finishes off that big a comeback. And then it was five and then it was zero. And then it became like sort of a classic game. Like DeRozan was making huge plays. DeJunte Murray was making huge plays Tatum was responding. Jalen was responding. Aaron Neesmith, of all people, was responding. And Neesmith's been good lately. Like, the last two games, that's he's looking so much different than he did at the beginning of the year. But being in the garden for that one was so much fun. It, it was kind of a, a throwback to the days when fans were there because they got loud, man. That was the so, first uh, time. I, I was going to say, so tell, tell, tell me what that's like because me and Abby are sitting there, and that's the hardest part. That's the first time since like fans have been back in the building that we're like damn we really want to feel this and be there because i think you know that makes a difference and and that's why like i'm probably romanticizing that it game right now because when you're in the building and it gets loud and it gets crazy i mean did people get loud the 2300 that were in there yeah it was it was actually really loud it was louder than i thought it could get for a crowd of that size um and at halftime the boos were even really loud. <laughs> like the boos were very, very loud. Um, but then obviously they start coming back and, and it, it, it was the f- by far the liveliest that place has felt in more than a year. Um, it was like for the first time I felt like home court advantage in the playoffs could actually matter because Ooh. fans can get really loud. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't know how loud just, you know, fewer than 3,000 fans could get until Tatum was going for 60 and and the Celtics were coming back and big play after big play was happening. Um, the coolest part to me was after the game, while you were doing your walk-off interview with Tatum, he was sitting on um, just a, you know, a, a table off to the side of the the court and fans just waited for him. It was like almost everyone waited for him 
and and didn't want to leave the arena until they could say like give him the proper send off into the locker room. And I thought that was really cool, especially during such a tough season, like a a, a season when really things have gone wrong. Um, and he kind of acknowledged the crowd and kind of touched his hand to his lips and and kind of blew a little kiss at the crowd. And it was it was a cool moment um, where they just showed their appreciation for what was what really became like a, a special, special performance. It was like that. You brought up the Isaiah thing that it kind of reminded me of that because that, too, was like the Miami game. Right. Is that the one yeah. you're talking about? Yep, exactly. The, the it huge was like, comeback. Yeah, it snuck up on you because that game, it was like he wasn't having an all-time game. He was obviously having a really good game, and then all of a sudden it was like he was in the 50s. And this one with Tatum, it was like he was having a really good game, and then all of a sudden he's fucking tied with Larry Bird, you know, and it's just an all-time performance. So I, the, the craziest part for me is I didn't even notice it in the moment, but zero turnovers. Like what we spent all of last week pretty much crushing Tatum as he was struggling, 19 turnovers in four games. And then to go out, he probably had 100 and what, 120 touches in this game and to not turn the ball over is wild to me. You know, they got the rebounds, five assists, whatever it was. And like, literally, like you said, bullying his way to the basket and to not turn it over in those instances is remarkable. And, and you think about it, like he commits one or two turnovers and they don't win this game and he doesn't get 60. And like, it's, it, uh, just remarkable. And it was cool to see they uh, uh, they kept the camera on him after that. The after I, I finished the interview, and I could see him walk out. And I saw I could see like the you know it's hard to tell with the plexiglass or whatever, but it did look like there was a, a ton of fans. And same deal. I was like, damn, this is what I'm missing. Yeah, it it, it really was like almost no one wanted to leave um, until they could say goodbye to Tatum and like give him the proper send off. And I thought that was cool. And then. Like that game, I just thought the turnover stuff, that's important. Like, like obviously he committed a lot of turnovers the last week or so. He's always been a low turnover guy. I didn't think that was like a huge issue for him. It's obviously been a huge issue for their team. Um, But the fact that it was such a clean outing to have 60 and get to the hoop as often as he did and be met by Pirtle as often as he did and and still – finish and draw fouls and just just a ridiculous ridiculous performance and then we got to talk about Neesmith because he took Evan Fournier's minutes in the fourth quarter he took Evan Fournier's minutes in overtime and it made sense like Neesmith the last couple games has just been fantastic and I think a lot of a lot of Celtics fans would have wanted him gone at the trade deadline in a trade for Aaron Gordon um a lot of fans probably wrote him off earlier in the season when he was, you know, started slow and didn't do much and looked out of sorts, but he's just been a totally different player lately. And you can see the hustle. And I just think there's, you can see there's something there, you know, like, yeah. like there's, there's a three point shooter there. There's a dogged defender. Like he is really, I think Brad Steven said it in his press conference. He's like at one end of the spectrum on the, playing hard you know he just he plays really fucking hard even among NBA players he plays really fucking hard I I think we need to call like crash Neesmith or something because like every time he goes at the hoop I think he's gonna break his neck and it's it but that's what you want from that sort of player right like this is our problem with Romeo Langford 
is that Romeo was playing really good defense and has that seven foot wingspan. But, you know, even though he's been, he, he, he was, he was terrible on offense, but he just didn't play with any energy or grit and do all the little things that Neesmith is doing. And I put some of this on Brad. Like I thought when Neesmith did his little original kind of come up back in mid January or whatever it was, when he finally started to get some minutes, it was like baffling that he disappeared as quickly as he did because the Celtics were still injured. They, they still couldn't, you know, they still needed an extra wing. That was when uh, Tatum went through COVID. And I was like, man, that's kind of baffling. I wonder why Brad's not going back to him. And the, I, the whole thing was, what I kept hearing was that, you know, they need ball movers out there and they need guys who can create for others and create for themselves. Well, I mean, Neesmith came back here and is just kicked in the door by saying, I'm just going to play my ass off for whatever amount of minutes I get. He screams after everything he does now. Like, he'll take a shot and he just yells. And I love it. Like, I just want that fire. And so uh, I think he's played himself into a, a playoff role. I don't think it's a huge playoff role. Like, but he's the ninth guy now. Like, Romeo's sitting there on the bench in a hood and sitting on his hands. And Neesmith now is just like, yeah, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you what I can do. Yeah, he's a competitive maniac. And and he's a competitive maniac who can also shoot or, you know, projects to be a shooter, which is very promising. And, and he's an athletic 6'6", competitive maniac, too. So I think there's a lot to like about Aaron Neesmith. Um, and as far as them needing, like, a ball over and stuff like that, I just think they needed energy. Yeah. You know, like, like they... Like, Tatum, for as good as he is, he's, like, a laid-back player. You know what I mean? And and Jalen Brown, like, sometimes can be a laid-back player. Obviously, he's a he can be a higher-energy guy, too. But, like, they need guys. And I think that's part of the reason why Robert Williams has made a big impact. He's just high energy all the time. Like, he's running into every screen. He's running after every loose ball. And Tristan Thompson tonight, same way, like, God damn, that motherfucker got every rebound. And so, and so, like, I think you need to surround those guys, Tatum and Brown, with, like, high-energy guys. And if you have Marcus Smart and Aaron Neesmith and Tristan Thompson and Robert Williams, like, that's a lot of hustle guys. And, and Kemba can be a part of that, too. But, like, I just think Neesmith, like you said, he's separated himself lately from Romeo Lankford because he can give you some of the defensive impact – I don't think he's as solid as Romeo, but he's he can also like make a lot of plays, and then offensively, like he's just done a lot more. Yeah. He he's hit threes. He's he's gotten to the rim sometimes. He's he's gotten putbacks. Like constant energy, and I, I didn't expect that from Neesmith after the way he started the season. But he had like every single reason for starting like shit, <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> I, you, I th- you couldn't have scripted a tougher start to the season for him. I, I thought it was telling the other night against Charlotte when Brad, like, I don't know if it was on purpose, if it was just based on the clock, but subbed in Neesmith, Pritchard, and, and, and Rob coming off the injury at the same time. And you could just feel the game was different when they were out there. And I think that was, like, sort of Brad's, oh, yeah, like, that matters. And, you know, we know Brad prioritizes – being in the right spots and not being a, a liability on defense and, and all that. But sometimes it's just as simple as this guy's going to go out there and create chaos and be, 
He's going to risk breaking his neck to get a, uh, an offensive rebound. And sometimes that's just what this team needs because they're so lackadaisical at times. They just need someone to come and like provide that turbo shot of energy. Yeah, I think that's really important for them. And, I mean, Robert Williams gives that to them a lot. Neesmith gives that to them. And then Neesmith, he's just another 6'6 guy. I, I talked about this with Romeo, and I think it was important when he came back because they played him. It's like just having another versatile guy. And right now, like, Fournier is just <laughs> Fournier is just in the middle. The oh. poor guy, man. The poor guy. You can tell he's still dealing with the after effects of COVID, something fierce. Um, and just hasn't gotten into the swing of things. And hey. go ahead. I was gonna say, I like it. I feel bad. Like I, I don't. It, it's just, it's got to be brutal for these guys coming back from COVID. I mean, we when Jason Tatum goes through it, you know, it it's got to affect everybody. I mean, how confident are you that comes out of it before the playoffs? Yeah, that's the thing is, like, the playoffs are coming soon. Like, and real it, soon. Yeah, and it's important. I mean, you saw Brad kind of make the decision tonight, like, okay, we got to put Fournier on the bench. And it was because Neesmith was playing out of his mind. I think Fournier actually had a pretty good third quarter. Um, but, like, at what point, if he's like that, do they have to say, you know what, we got to go with somebody else, whether it's Neesmith or Langford or Peyton Pritchard? I think in an ideal world, the Celtics will very much limit the minutes beyond like their starters, Fournier and Tristan Thompson, right? Like in yeah. an ideal world, they won't have many minutes for Neesmith. They won't have many minutes for Pritchard, even though Pritchard's been good all season and Neesmith has been good lately. But if Fournier is still like this and and like – really a shell of himself, then they're going to have to make other decisions. And may maybe that means more Neesmith. Maybe it ne means more Pritchard. Maybe it means, you know, you dust off Romeo Langford or play Shemi or play Grant. Um, but I just think, like, Fournier is really important. And he hasn't show been able to show any of that. And that's been, like like, a real disappointment i think for boston that that he's been so unfortunate since coming to the celtics like he missed a game because he had a false positive test and then he actually tested positive and then he came back and brad stevens said he was foggy which i assume means he had brain fog from covid19 which is basically like you're playing through jet lag and feeling oh. disoriented all the time it's like damn you know like shit that's that's tough. And it took Tatum, like, what did it take, a full month for him to yeah. come back? And so, and, like, then in the bigger picture of things, and, like, the Celtics have far more near-term worries to, to deal with and just getting their own act together before the playoffs. But, you know, Fournier is going to be a, a, an unrestricted free agent. And part of what you're trying to do in this late season time is, like, not only get him acclimated, but show him, like, hey, you can thrive here and you can be good. And we want you here. And I worry a little bit that whether, you know, no fault of the Celtics, no fault of his own because he's battling through this, but he might get done this whole experience and just be like, eh, you know, maybe I do just want to get the most money I can get out there. I don't know how I fit in that offense. And, 
Uh, it's too bad. I just don't know if you're going to know for sure if he's part of your, your core moving forward or, or how he feels. It just adds like a, a complete layer of, of weirdness to, uh, to an already weird offseason as, as they sort of figure out what's next. Yeah, on the other hand, though, like let's say he does decide to re-sign with Boston and, and then you've got Pritchard who's established himself all season – as a solid backup point guard. And then you've got Neesmith, who's shown that he could, you know, has signs of being a player. And then you come back next year and you have all three of those guys off the bench, plus Tristan Thompson, who's been good lately and learned how to kick out the ball after he got offensive rebounds, which is, is, is kind that, of wait, fantastic wait, development. Is that like the craziest development of the season? What, it's what do incredible. You think, do you, what do you think happened? I mean, it. It's, they must have sat him down and just said, Tristan, you cannot fucking keep doing this. Like, there are wide-open teammates. If you get an offensive rebound, the first thing you have to do is look out to the three-point arc. And... I think Brad just sat him down in a session and was like, hey, we're going to watch Rob William tape for a second here. Oh, Rob got an offensive rebound. What does he do with it? Oh, he threw it out to an open shooter. Huh, that's interesting. Hey, let's watch it's... another clip. Hey, hey, Rob just got an offensive rebound and kicked it out to an open shooter. That's interesting. You know, and just, <laughs> just he kept doing it. <laughs> it's so funny because it was like the whole first couple months of the season, he was probably the worst I've ever seen at that. <laughs> <laughs> like it was as soon as he got it, he was a vacuum. He was going to go up no matter what. And then he just changed. <laughs> it, it it was really like Brad just snapped on him one day. It was like, motherfucker, this cannot happen. Um, but it was very interesting, very interesting development. But he's been he's been good. And if you come back next year with Fournier on a reasonable price and the rest of that bench, then you have, you know, Romeo as like an X factor. Does does he play okay? You've got Jabari Parker as an X factor. Does he get in good shape and play better defense? And then you can really feel comfortable about your bench and far more comfortable about your bench than the Celtics have felt this season. And so I think, I think like if you look at it from that perspective, then there's a lot of promise. And obviously there's a lot unknown with Fournier and, and maybe he looks at this and is just like, you know what? this experience wasn't what I expected, but mm -hmm. all the factors were out of my control, out of the team's control. And it was just, I felt like shit. I couldn't play well. And, and still like, I liked being around the guys. They, this team has a lot of talent. I just watched Jason Tatum score 60 points. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have a chance in the playoffs for the first time in my career. Like there's a lot in Boston to like for Fournier on top of the fact that they're, you know, they obviously intend to resign him and intend to offer him a pretty sizable contract when he hits free agency. So I, I do think like with the development from Neesmith, that kind of changes things for their bench. And if you have him and Fournier, all of a sudden that's a lot of six, 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 seven dudes mm. that can do a lot of things and switch and be active and that that's how you build a team. And that, that's why the Celtics sucked earlier this season because <laughs> they didn't have enough of those guys, you know? The, the, the one concern is, you know, so you're in a playoff series. Can you keep everybody healthy? And because one injury, it feels like, leaves this team really exposed. And maybe that maybe that's negated a little bit now as, as Neesmith comes on. 
but you know the those minutes where you have to lean, lean on Grant and I mean if you get bubble Grant that's great if you got even tonight Grant was pretty good hitting those threes early uh, yeah he actually like, like kept them within 30 right which is crazy <laughs> to say um but what an insane sentence to say but it's true <laughs> uh there was a point in the broadcast where I think you know Scal was like it's down to 25 they've got a chance I'm thinking what what are we saying right now so uh, someone texted me uh one of my buddies texted me like Scal just said they're chipping into the lead and it's like it was like 24 point deficit at the time <laughs> and he's like yeah, yeah good call Scal and then of course they were chipping into the, into the lead yeah yeah, I, they were down 20, I think, when I did uh, a, like a little update in the third quarter about the uh, Philly Atlanta game, and I, I I said like, hey, if they lose this game, and I, or might have been, I might have even been more definitive. I was like, when they lose this game, they're going to be dropping down to the seventh seed. And Scout like le- legitimately called me out, and he's like, hey, are you saying this is this is already a law? And like in my mind, like luckily my mic wasn't open because I was I would have definitely said yes, this is definitely a law. And uh, of course, yeah, just like you said, they they mark this crazy, craziest comeback, and uh, and find a way to win. Which I mean, again, just bananas that they were even in that game uh, to begin with. One thing on the bench, my counter argument to that is okay. Uh, like Romeo needs a little. It seems to need a little bit of a of a of an attitude adjustment or a, or boost. He seems a little bit discouraged, and who knows what happens behind the scenes, but. Uh, just watching the body language, I think he's frustrated. Maybe just frustrated with injuries. Um, if Fournier doesn't doesn't resign, uh, Jabari Parker has disappeared after you know getting minutes. Like they're still a little bit thin. I li- like in a in a perfect world, I like the way the bench is shaping up. If they get the most out of all their six seven dudes, um, but there's there's a lot of you know ifs and buts there that that haven't worked out quite as well this year. But like I said. There's we're gonna have the whole off season to worry about that. It's uh they've they've got far more pressing issues in the near term, including figuring out how to get Evan Fournier to remember his uh, shooting abilities. Were you very disappointed in Brad Stevens's daughter for leaving at halftime? <laughs> we're gonna drag Kinsley over this. Um, <laughs> I, I I can't say I blame her. Like if you'd given me the option at halftime to leave the studio and go home. Uh, I might have taken you up on it. Uh, I had I, my 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 friends and, and and my kids were at a neighbor's house, and I I was texting with the the other dad, and I was saying uh, I I'm kind of bummed I'm not there, and I have to watch this stupid game where the Celtics are getting cranked again after giving us false hope after the Charlotte game. So no, I do not I do not blame Kinsley Stevens. Uh, she might have like a soccer game tomorrow. It was just like yeah, I'm over this. I I don't want to watch uh them them not defend the paint anymore i'm gonna go home yeah i don't blame her at all either (laughs) i thought i did think it was interesting from brad to after you know one of the third biggest comeback victory of the last 35 years in the nba he was sort of pissed in his press conference and to the point where he sort of deflected away from how great Jason Tatum was in his game. And I thought that was an interesting decision from Brad because he, he's always very calculated in his press conference. Mm-hmm. Whatever he says, he does it because he thinks that's what his team needs to hear. Um, and after the Oklahoma City game, you know, he was like, yeah, we're, we're on to the next one. 
the game after that, he was like, yeah, we actually played hard in the Oklahoma City game. And then this one, they come all the way back and win. And he's like, man, fuck that first half in obviously different language because he's Brad Stevens. But <laughs> I was very interested to to hear him say that and to hear the way he went about that. Because I think when the Celtics are healthy, it seems like he holds them to a different standard. And Kemba was the only one out today. Everyone else was healthy. And so when, when they're pretty close to being fully healthy, I feel like he holds them to a standard and wants them to play great and doesn't want them to, to let go of the rope. Um, and then he's far more forgiving when they're not healthy. But today it just felt like like he wanted to send a message to his team even after they came back, like like that's not enough, guys. Yeah, well, I mean, can you blame them? So, uh, like, that first half was a disgrace. Like, every time we say they can't be worse than they were against Team X, they go out there against Team Y, and it's terrible. And think about it from Brad's perspective. Like, not only does his daughter abandon the arena in an in embarrassment of her father's <laughs> team, but, like, Pop's on the other sideline, and we know. Like, it was so funny to hear Brad when he got asked about Pop today. He's like, well, I don't really know him, you know, that well. And it's like, come on, man. Like, you know how much he idolizes Pop and the Indiana connection and calling him. And, you know, you know he relishes those moments. And remember that game where the Celtics had all the legends there and they were down at halftime and Brad was so mad, like probably as mad as we've ever seen him because he felt like it was that he was getting embarrassed in front of all these people he wanted to, to, to clearly impress. I think this is the same exact situation. Now, it drills down to more simplicity in that, Brad Stevens recognizes that if his team plays like anything like it did in the first half in the playoffs, they're going to get annihilated by really good teams. And I know he's frustrated. Uh, but yeah, it is, it is interesting that it, it, his, his, his star forward had this, this major game. And, you know, he gave him his flowers a little bit, but you could tell he was more frustrated that they were even in position to have to come back from 32 down. And, you know, Perk on the, our, our post game show was like, Loving it. He's like, that's the Brad Stevens I need. I need that angry Brad. And I was like, yeah, you know, uh, this. I, I think the Celtics would prefer the, to not put themselves in a position where the coach is pissed that they have to come out of that hole. Yeah, it was funny because, like, they had the – they showered Tatum with whatever, water, Gatorade, whatever, in the locker room. They had this whole celebration, and, and still Stevens came out and was like, man, fuck those guys. <laughs> <laughs> they they didn't it. play hard in the first half. And and it just feels like – it feels like he's more willing to do that after success. Like he wants to drag them down after success. Whereas af after failures, he's like, you know what? I need these guys to stay together. I need them not to pull apart. So I'm going to I'm gonna hype them up a little bit. I'm going to – downplay this um Jay, i don't know I, 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 I don't mean to go full packard on you here but like that's growth mindset in a nutshell right like brad stevens will never allow his team to be to like be excited Kaizen. that they half-assed their way literally half-assed their way to a victory you know in his mind it's about building habits and and playing consistently and um you know so he he can't he, his whole thing is you have to put in the effort and the preparation and put yourself in position to win. In this instance, it's more like everyone kind of, even though it was a team effort, they sort of jumped on Jason Tatum's back and pulled the win out of their ass. So yeah, he, 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 this, this goes against his ethos. So he has to 
he has to come out and, and strike down against it. He can't just be complacent that, like, golly gee, we, we found a way to win a game. And I'm sure in his, if you got him in a quiet moment, he's like relieved that they found a way yeah. to win. He's probably every- pumping his fist right now, like fucking yeah. but, crushing but, but beers. Is, <laughs> I, I'm, <laughs> I'm I, like, this is the coach's dream where you, you win a game that you probably shouldn't have. And you can still yell at your team tomorrow in the film session and be like, you know, this is what we need to do better. And I don't think coaches, there's, there's nothing more that coaches love than, than that combination. Yeah, I was just kind of interested because it, it felt like after that game, and especially in this season, like I, I thought he would seize the positivity. You know what I mean? Mm. And like finally they had something go incredibly right for them. This has been a team that has been kind of grasping for that all season. And Tatum has this special game and they have this incredible comeback. They do it all without Kemba. They do it all in what became like really, really a, an epic game. And then he just kind of didn't allow them to celebrate it. And I guess that's that's what coaches do. But it, it was just interesting to me. Let, let's get to the potable six pack because Ooh. that is uh, the favorite part of the podcast. Really? Yeah. We got to we got to draft. Doesn't Packard, the... doesn't, doesn't Packard usually have beer at this point? I got I, I'm kind of I'm kind of mad I don't have beer with me right now in my vehicle, which would be illegal. Yeah, it would be totally <laughs> illegal. So I'm glad you don't. <laughs> but yeah, let's let's go. We'll give you the first pick since Ooh. since you're the guest. Um, is, so you so can pick like any a, moment. You can pick any theme. You can pick anything from that game. Oh, man, so uh, like I, I feel like taking the taking the, the the sixty point game would be too easy. I want to I want to go deeper. Um, I, I like on, like the thing that makes me most like the, the thing I look back on the most is I think the last two games, but especially this one, is Neesmith's performance. I just think like that's incredibly Ooh, important. Neesmith with the first pick in Jason Tatum's sixty point game. <laughs> It's too easy. It's the low hanging fruit. Um, I'm gonna let you take it. I want. I I want to because, and maybe just because I feel like I was on the Neesmith hype, uh, hype train pretty early, and I was a little flabbergasted by Brad's reluctance to play him, uh, especially in a weird season where they needed to play him. That I'm relieved that he's getting the chance. I don't know what kind of role he's gonna play in the postseason. I keep going back to it. Like I think there's a, a chance that when Brad has to lean on his on on eight guys that even Neesmith can like get squeezed a little bit. And there's just not a lot of minutes when you've got Marcus Fournier, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown all playing minutes. But I think developing rookies and supplementing your core and getting guys like that. And just like you said, the way they play is hugely important to this team moving forward uh, in a way. I think it's more important than just a a guy putting up a big scoring night. So uh, Aaron Neesmith turning into something to me is, is pick number one. There you go. I'm going with Jason Tatum scoring 60. <laughs> no, but, but more than that, I'm going with the the moment during your walk-off interview when everyone just waited for him. That was that special to cool. me. Like that that is just it was just totally organic. Everybody just decided, you know what, he's sitting there and your interview lasted a while. Like it was several minutes long. I still haven't listened to it. I got to listen to it at some point. Um you don't have but it, it wasn't it wasn't my finest work. There's, there's this weird audio delay, and he was gassed too. 
So like I would ask a question and then it probably took him like two seconds to hear it. And then like a second to catch his breath and people were all over my neck. Like that was a terrible interview. You had no flow. And I'm like, talk to the technology people. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to, because you chose Neesmith, I'm going to go now with two Jason Tatum moments. Ooh. The other one was when Tristan Thompson told Deuce that his daddy <laughs> is a bad, bad man. That's so great. That, um, like that's perfect. Absolutely uh, perfect. And Tristan, I've noticed at these games, he likes to go over to Deuce and say what's up after a game. Like just just say hi and and say what's up. And and I've noticed that. But but tonight to tell him that his father is a bad, bad man, just a great moment. Uh I'm gonna go with Deuce in general. Uh, because like you think about this past week, you had Chris Paul actively seeking him out for like a photo. It wasn't it wasn't like the family was it's like, hey, Deuce season. It was, it, yeah, it was just like, hey, Deuce. Uh, and then Tatum, as he was doing the interview, gave him the game ball. And, you know, I, I kind of joked about it, but uh, that's a lot of responsibility for a three-year-old to have the, the game ball from a 60-burger a, a that you just had Larry Bird. And uh, I know my children, I love them very much, but are not, like, the most secure with, with valuable assets. And I don't know if I'll trust them. <laughs> Let alone, let alone a ball from a sixty burger. So, um, but, but Deuce sleeps with basketballs, though. Did you that, see that, that photo? That is, that is super cute. And the, there's obviously that photo of Tatum doing the same thing as a kid. Um, if, if my children were to be photographed doing what I did, it would be uh, sleeping with a Hulk Hogan wrestling buddy. So, or a golf club uh, these days. Or, or go, yeah, these days it would be like uh, me hugging my three wood as uh, <laughs> as, I, as I go to sleep. Uh, maybe Tatum does that too, because I mean Tatum's the big golf guy now, but he just doesn't have time to uh, yeah. to get out get, to get out there in this in this season. But yeah, I'm gonna give it to I'm gonna give credit to Deuce. I was hoping Tatum would bring Deuce into the interview because that's immediate gold. Like I'm just giving you a peek behind the curtain in my selfish selfish manner. I was like, please bring Deuce in here uh, because then everyone will love it and it's a sweet moment. But he did. He did yeah, that's in, instant viral video. Exactly, and so uh, he didn't do it, but he said something sweet about. Uh, which I think he repeated in, in the Zoom call where he said, you know, uh, after he scored 53, he was uh, he said he, he really wished that Deuce had been there and Deuce had given him a phone call or whatever after the game, which is also hilarious. Like the idea that Deuce was like, I'm going to call my dad and be like, hey, bro, good game tonight. Uh, and he's a three year old. So uh, it, neat that 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 Tatum was able to, to go out there and at 23 years old, uh, put up put up 60 points and in. I feel like he's fun. taken a, a lot of heat this year, Tatum. And yeah, and I, I like Deuce. No, <laughs> Jason. Uh, and and just because, <laughs> like now you look up and he's averaging twenty six point four points per game. If you eliminate the February month when he was coming back from COVID, and open about how much it impacted him, he's been very efficient. Is he all I've, NBA? I think so. I, I think I think he's been borderline. And then a performance like this kind of grabs everyone's attention and and maybe solidifies him or pushes him into that spot. Um That's a but big yeah, deal. I, yeah, that, that is a big deal because his contract depends on it too. Right. So like and, and it's not a small amount of money. Like I don't think the Celtics are actively rooting against him not getting all NBA, but it does make the financials a little bit more digestible. 
but yeah, I think I think just like you said, some of the the fact that he's putting up some of these big performances at the finish line of the season uh, could could go a long way towards solidifying that spot. He's had two fifty point games in the last month. No Celtics have ever done that in a season. That that's crazy. And I know points are easier to come by this year. But still, like it's like Larry it's Bird never had two fifty point games in a season. He did it a bunch of times, like in eighty six and eighty five, but it was never the same season. That blows my mind that Jason Tatum at twenty three years old has now done it twice. Yeah, that's that's a lot of like sixty points <laughs> a lot of points. That's a lot of points, man. Speaking of a lot of points, I didn't even realize this until like an hour after the game because it was such a wild game. Celtics scored 80 points in the second half. Wow. And I think it was like including overtime, like 91 after halftime. Yeah. So and I think it was, I I forget, you know, Abby had the stat at some point, but um, highest scoring half in like a long time you know that's that's a ton of points that's that's insane (laughs) like 80 and it just felt like the comeback happened not all at once but it was like they never really let up from from the early in the second half to the end of overtime like the the spurs made some plays and but the celtics like they never relented it was just wave after wave of important play for them that entire time. And I, Brad said, even though Brad was as negative as he's been in a while, um, coach, coaching, but he had a line that was like, yeah, maybe we showed a glimpse of what we can be. And it, it felt like that. It felt like that was them sort of operating at where they want to be and and where they could be. You got one more pick, by the way. Oh, uh, I'm going to go Taco's Trench Coat. Oh, that's a great fucking pick. <laughs> I'm try- I, we, were trying to, we were trying to guess. Uh, if you just put the, 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 the trench coat on a scale, how much would it weigh? Because it is a ton of fabric. I feel like, like that's one of the trench coats where like, you got like three people inside standing on top of each other's shoulders. <laughs> I, made that, I made that same joke. I said, it, it's one of those like, Bits where you 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 put three people on each other's shoulders and then cover them up with 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 the with the trench coat and uh, yeah it's it's it I, shout to whoever made it for him he looked dapper uh, shout to he, Taco he looked great shouts to Taco for just you know up in the sideline apparel a lot you know we had we had Rob Williams rocking a Whitney Houston T-shirt the other night on the bench so uh, the the NBA's relaxed fashion policy has has made it easy for guys to to downshift. Uh, nice of nice of Taco to to kick it up and and well, and take Taco it had a hoodie on the other night. That's the thing. And, and then he just he just brought it up to the to the next level and came with the. He was looking good. It was sharp. It was a sharp. sharp. I'm gonna go last pick. This is a this is a, an important pick. I want to go with Marcus Smart because he made a lot of great passes and yeah. a lot of great decisions throughout the entire second half, but I'm going to go with Jalen Brown instead because he was four for 23, got the ball swung to him in the corner. Jacob, Jakob Pertle rather, was closing hard, and Jalen hit a three 
go ahead three in Pirtle's face. That was like a a clutch shot, a shot, you know, deep in overtime. He played a whole lot of minutes. It had been one of the worst shooting performances he's had in a long time. Drilled it. And that was really, really important shot for the Celtics. It felt like this win was important to them. If, you know, who knows where they go from here. But if if they had lost that game, then a lot would have been put on their start. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. obviously, Brad harped on it after the game anyway. But a lot from the media would have been placed on the start. How shitty they were. How yeah. shitty they were after getting clapped by Charlotte and beaten by the Thunder and all that. So manufacturing a win and and getting a second win in a row and and you know putting putting themselves in a tie for fifth place with Atlanta which is huge in the standings it was just a really huge win a really huge shot by Jalen and a really really incredible performance by Jason Tatum just really just out of nowhere I, I love that about basketball too like you can just get out of nowhere an incredible moment. I think it was, uh, was it Bill Reynolds, the dude from the Providence journal who mm-hmm. he wrote, what was he? I forget what, which book it was in, but he, he wrote in one of his books, like he would just go hunting for games, you know, like he, he would go watch high school games and watch college games. And he never knew when, when he was going to find like a, an unforgettable moment, an unforgettable game. And that was tonight. Like, if someone had said at halftime this is going to be an unforgettable game, would you you would have been like what? <laughs> like in, in what regard? You know? Yeah, I, I went over and one of my buddies was at the game, and uh, he was right behind the media section. So I went over after shortly after halftime and just chatted with him for a while. And he was talking about how disappointed he was in the Celtics, and I was like, yeah, they've been so shitty. It's been atrocious. Like you wonder what's wrong with the team. <laughs> That's, then, like every conver- that's every conversation I have with my friends now. They're like, what the hell is up with the team? Because, like, everyone just, like, doesn't get it. And I, I say the same thing. Like, I, I, I wish there was a simple answer. Uh, but, yeah, that's it. Like, if you wanted to sum up the 2021 season in, in a game, this this pretty much encapsulates it. Like, some really bad, some really good, uh, a little bit more good than bad. But, yeah, it, it's wild what that, that what, the way it's played out. Yeah, and so it was just unforgettable, unforgettable night out of fucking nowhere. <laughs> I, I, have two, I, I have two questions for you. Okay, okay. Uh, I, my 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 host my hosting uh, uh, duties uh, feels like it's it, it's coming on here. One, where did they end up in the standings? Like, despite stumbling ass backwards throughout this season, they I feel like they're going to get four or five. I just the Knicks are going west. I think that's going to be a brutal trip for them. Uh, Atlanta just got smacked twice by Philly, and even though they got Trey Young back, I think they've got a little bit more of a daunting schedule. But I feel like it. And last game of the year, Celtics Knicks could be for like the right to play the Hawks in the four or five matchup. Is that crazy? Uh yeah. I think the Celtics will end up in the four or five matchup somehow. I think they'll finally get sort of healthy. <laughs> Like as weird as that sounds, uh, and maybe they won't, but I just feel like like they're they're in a place where you know Kemba should come back soon, and nobody else at the moment 
has an injury, what, like a third of their team has already gotten COVID this season, mm-hmm. at least. At so least. they shouldn't get COVID again. Um, so I just, I just feel like they'll get healthy and their schedule is easy. And I, I think they'll put together some wins, get in the four or five matchup, um, and then have a chance to to win in the first round. And I think their their perfect scenario is like they win, they get in the four or five matchup. Philly gets number one, and they get to avoid Brooklyn until a possible Eastern Conference Finals matchup. Right? Yeah. And so that was my next question was like, so what happens in the playoffs? And Kat, did, did, does these last two games make you feel any better? And like, I don't Not- think. No, right? Like it, it doesn't. It, I don't think it changes much for me. I think it, it ultimately comes down to health, and you know whether they had that top eight, and you hope they have a little bit. Like you hope they finish strong and, and feel good about themselves going in because that gives them the best chance of, of of coming somewhere close to their potential. But yeah, I, I can't say that two wins make me feel any different because I know the the game before that was an absolute abomination. So. I do think there's just going to be this this variance where some nights they might have it, some nights they might might not, and they're just hoping to sort of catch catch some momentum at some point and be like, wow, if, if Kemba can actually be out there for for an entire seven game series, and if we can have no one in COVID protocol, like you know, maybe we look a little bit better. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I like nothing. I, I I don't know if they could. I don't know how many games in a row they'd have to win for me to to really be bullish. But um, you know, the potential's there. I just I just don't know if they're gonna do it consistently enough. Yeah, I, I don't think anything they'll they can do from here would really change my perspective on them in the playoffs. And I say that just because like I already have a high respect for their ceiling, right? Like yeah. if if things go right for them and if if they are healthy and playing together in the playoffs, then they're dangerous. Because they have two guys in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown who are matchup problems for anyone. They have Kemba Walker, who, even though he's been, you know, a little diminished at times this year, still demands a lot of attention from a defense. They have Robert Williams, who's better than I think Daniel Tice was last year, even though they're very different in how they play. What is it now? Eight and one with time lord in april yeah yeah like that's an impressive stat and then tristan thompson has played really good ball for them as their other so they they should feel way better about their center rotation than they did last postseason um fournier is a huge huge if at this point for the rest of the season and the playoffs but i just think you know if 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 they're healthy and if they're right then they're going to be a tough matchup and they have a lot of playoff experience. They have more playoff experience than together, at least, than anyone else probably in the Eastern Conference. Which is wild like, to say, right? Like for a team that is as relatively young as they are, they are yeah. oozing, oozing for the fact that Kemba doesn't have a ton of playoff experience. Maybe Miami has more together. Yeah. Because they know, made just, the finals. Right. And Jimmy, like, he's got all that pass. But like, even then, then their younger guys haven't had much and band hasn't like, so yeah, you know, you might be right. They might just have, I mean, 
if you added up everything that Kyrie and Durant has been through, they've 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 certainly got the edge. But um, Celtics are 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 a grizzled team compared to the the Knicks and Atlanta and Charlotte's of the world. Yeah, and I think I just think a lot of their problems go away when you get to a playoff rotation. Like yeah. you don't have to start Tremont Water sometimes or shout you know, out Tremont probably should have gone to the into the six pack just for also that, studying them at, at some points. That is true. Yeah, it's Tremont. And I didn't mean to just to throw him under the bus, though I did. But you did. Um, but back, but back, like 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 stuff like that, you don't have to you don't have to worry about that. You know, like okay. you just have a rotation of all vets, and maybe Pritchard and maybe Neesmith, um, and who have been there before and who can handle a lot of burden. And you know, if if Tatum and Brown and Kemba are playing at a high level, then They'll be tough. They'll be tough. So none of this changes what I think. Um, they've had a lot of flaws. <laughs> they've had a lot of holes. I am not convinced they can reach their peak. But if they do, they're going to be tough. They're going to be tough. And obviously, you know, they just scored 80 fucking points in the second half and Jason Tatum at 60. So yeah. they can be good when they when they, when they they are good. What a weird season. Just what a weird game. What a weird season. I'm in the same boat as you. I'm just sort of like, you know, I, every time someone, someone goes, what do you, what do you think is going to happen in the playoffs? I'm like, I don't know. I'm going to be watching. Like I have to, it's my job, but like, I am intrigued. I, I can't wait to see what happens. I think it's going to be a lot, you know, relatively fun. Um, you know, I think they, they might go seven games with whoever they match up with in a four or five matchup. But, uh, you know, I, I also very intrigued to see what happens when, the lights are on and they go up against someone like a Philly. And so I can't wait. I, I think it's going to be fun. It's absolutely going to be fun. Just like this podcast episode was. Thank, thanks for coming on, man. I, I appreciate it very bit, very much. I, I, I threw you the text, like just kind of desperate. I, I needed someone. It, it works out well. Like, especially after games like this, I want to scream and yell for longer than we have available. So uh, it, it, I, I like it. And plus, like I said, I'm, I'm just driving home. I forgot to get off of my exit, so I'm in New York now. But um, <laughs> that's okay. I'll I'll figure it out. Like we've got a, We've got an off day before I need to be back. Hey, good good, good luck getting home from New York, man. I, I appreciate <laughs> you coming on quite a bit. We we will talk to you all guys later. You all guys, yeah. There you go. Good, way, way to speak, asshole. That's why it, Packard it, normally hosts. It's one forty in the morning. Like you, I mean, like what can you do? Like just go tell everyone to like, subscribe. Um, and yeah yeah follow us on spotify or itunes whatever the fuck else you listen to podcasts <laughs> get it done anything is potable baby take care guys as you've probably heard by now we've teamed up with betmgm this season we'll be using betmgm lines to make all of our picks and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week if you haven't signed up for betmgm yet use bonus code the athletic and you'll get a one-year subscription to the athletic plus up to a fifteen hundred dollar first bet offer on your first wager with betmgm here's how it works Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.